You're listening to the Pro Boy Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Pool Boy Podcast. Steve here, and uh, on this episode, we're doing something a bit different because we're not talking about swimming. We're giving ourselves a pat on the back and being self-indulgent for 20 minutes. I've got my usual co-hosts, Bob and Katie, with me. Good evening to you both. Hi, Steve. Hello. Now, we are, as I say, being self-indulgent because we have an anniversary coming up. And uh, if you were into podcasts in 2013, on the 28th of July 2013, if you'd pointed your podcast player at poolboy.co.uk, you would have heard this. So, day one at the World Championships in Barcelona, and we've already had 10 British swimmers in action in the pool there at the Palo San Jordi. So there we go. That was the first ever podcast that the three of us did. Can he sound young? I'm, I'm, I take that as a compliment, Bob. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was supposed to be. Yeah. So that was the introduction to number one of our series of podcasts that we started in 2013 when the three of us teamed up to cover the World Championships that took place in Barcelona that year. Um, I successfully managed to start by not saying what you were listening to or who I was, but it all went uphill from there. So the big question is, how do, you, how do you two remember that first week 10 years ago? Bob, let's start with you. Well, I remember not being there, Steve, for a start. That was the first World Championship. It was our first major swimming event I hadn't done for about 15 years. As I'd left the BBC at that point, I left the BBC in 2012. So my last swimming gig for BBC Radio was the Olympics in London, 2012. 2013, I was still working for the BBC on the diving, so I was in Salford and not in Barcelona, sadly. So uh, I was watching from afar and actually, uh, like all three of us, I think, getting more and more uh, downhearted and downcast as the week went on because it was not the greatest of weeks for British swimming. It wasn't. Well, I'm sure we'll delve into that in more detail in a minute. Katie, uh, you know, how did you feel about, you know, you're not... You're not a professional broadcaster like Bob. How did you feel about some random person on you'd met on the internet, met once in real life, sort of messaging you and saying, hey, I'm doing a podcast, what do you reckon? You make it sound very seedy. Um, I I remember being really nervous. I, I don't actually know how on earth I did it, particularly as we did it every night because I just started a job that basically never let me go home. Um, so I have no idea at all how I managed to join, join you guys for a podcast every night when we got increasingly more depressed as pop said at the lack of medals but uh yeah no i do remember being quite nervous i know i can be pretty confident that i was a swimming geek but um never quite knew if i'd have anything to say at, at the right moment well it all it all you know I, i've listened back as part of research for this i've listened back to the entire week of podcasts and i have to say you had plenty to say <laughs> so there was no no issue there at all bob you, you picked up that you'd finished on the with the bbc the year before for swimming at least uh, and one thing I wanted to ask you, and, and you may have a view on this, is I know we'd exchanged messages and we'd, we'd met a couple of times and, and, you know, we'd exchanged messages in the lead up thinking, well, wouldn't it be good to, to try and do something like that without really having a firm idea before before we settled on this? But I wondered if, you know, when you agreed to do it, it was it gave you a chance to be maybe a, a, a bit more opinionated, perhaps, than you might have been able to be on on the BBC radio commentary, because certainly, you know, you're a bit more strident than people who'd heard you on um, on Five Live. 
would have would have known. Yeah, because when yeah, because you, you have to very much as well, I wasn't a correspondent, but I was a swimming reporter for the BBC. So you have to remain as neutral as you can. Uh, and now I was out of the BBC bubble to a certain extent. I was on diving, but not on swimming. So I was able to give a more maybe well-rounded opinion, maybe a better overall opinion of what I was seeing in the pool. And we come off the back of, let's be honest, a very disappointing 2012. We, we'd gone with high expectations, lots of medal prospects in 2012, or so we thought. We came out with just Becky and uh, with Michael Jameson. So we, we were definitely going through that rebuilding phase. And I, I still think I felt a bit maybe wounded or scarred a bit by 2012. And maybe that was my first chance to really vent, I suppose, because I didn't want to do it during the course of the Olympics. Yeah, I think that yeah, that, that comes across, I think, at certain times during that first week. But um, we, we've kind of alluded to it already because it, it was depressing as the week went on. We started with high hopes, as I, as you heard in that little intro I just played back from from the start of that week, and uh, progressively uh, things kind of got worse, if you like. And it was only the last day that we picked up the, the solitary British medal that Fran Housel rescued the meat for Britain by picking up bronze in the fifty-three. Um, Katie, do you remember you know much about that week? All the near misses. We had so many fourth places, so many people finishing ninth and not making finals. It was it was disappointing, I suppose. Yeah, I think um, I think there were quite a few near misses in London, and you know, you sort of hope that the following year you kind of turn those fourths into thirds, and you know, we, we there were there were chances, weren't there? There were a lot of chances, and just every single time we seemed to miss them, and I think it probably felt, you know we didn't really want to put out a depressing podcast. We wanted to be, have lots to be excited about and, and chat about. So um, scrabbling around for that because, because we were doing them every night as well. Um, it was, you couldn't really gloss over the fact that it was, it was a pretty difficult meet for, for GB. Um, still quite fun to do, but I think increasingly, <laughs> increasingly difficult to sound upbeat and positive um, without the results to back it up. And, and it's quite an interesting games, wasn't it? Or interesting championships on the back of the Olympics. So there were a lot of swimmers who did dominance in not just one event, but in two or three events in that, you know, there was, we, we obviously saw not Michael, the back of Michael Phelps because he, he came back later on. But at that stage, Michael Phelps wasn't in the picture and other people were stepping up to the place. And we had um, obviously the, the real emergence of Katie Ledecky after what she'd done the year before. Yeah, no, she was a big star that week. Um, world records, 1500 and 800 free. Uh, she won the 400 as well. No, yeah. That was a real emergence as a force. How is she still doing it? How is she still doing that? Ten years on, she's a distance swimmer. How does she still have shoulders? She's amazing, isn't she? Well, well she is, but unfortunately, from her point of view, there's somebody, somebody is a bit better at the 400 than she is right now. Yeah, but no one's anywhere near on the 8 or the 15 at the moment. <laughs> that I mean, does, we'll find it. We'll it's find pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. it is. It is. Now, we, we talked about near misses there, and uh, someone who unfortunately had a number of near misses that week was uh, was Jazz Carlin. She was fourth in the 400 on the first day, and then ninth in the 800 heats, and ninth in the 1500 meter heats. And Katie, um, this is uh, this is where you said something, you know, <clears throat> that I found quite interesting because it was quite quite uh, quite prescient, you know, about what might happen to Jazz afterwards. So I'm going to share this little clip. Katie, try not to shudder too much because I'm sure you you will, but mm. just have a, just have a listen to this. But knowing Jazz, I don't think it'll happen again. Like I, I don't think she'll. I don't think the same thing will happen in a major event again because she's very good at learning where things have gone wrong, and she will change things and she will be more determined. 
So, so you obviously you swam with Jess on on teams, and you, you obviously knew her. But um, was that you no? Know, were you confident that she would change things, or was that just you know that optimism coming through? Because if you look at what happened to her career, you know, the years afterwards, she'd been ill. You no, know, in twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, she had those disappointments. Twenty fourteen, Commonwealth champion, European champion. 2015 world bronze, 2016 two Olympic silvers, and then obviously she stepped away from the pool. So whatever she took from 2013, you were quite right. It didn't happen again. I have no recollection of saying that, but like, I mean, no, I don't think that was something I was just sort of saying for the podcast. I think she already had that reputation, didn't she, from Bud of being the pit bull and like, you know, sort of getting getting stuck into things and, and getting the best out of any situation. And I think I'd seen her on the world's team in 2009 in Rome and that I think she she won that relay medal as part of the 4 by 2 and that was kind of the first big showing from Jazz and she's so belonged there um so you know I don't I don't feel at all surprised at what she went on to do and um, that might be with the benefit of hindsight and knowing that she went on to do that but um I feel justified in saying I knew I knew that this was coming her success was coming <laughs> Also, I'd like to never listen back to myself ever again. Thank you very much. No, that can be arranged. Um, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it was just interesting because uh, you know the, the, you listen to these things with a different uh, with a different perspective, obviously, with time and knowing what happened since. And uh, in a similar vein, two of the swimmers, not British, that we were <clears throat> that we spoke a lot about that week, we, we've touched touched on um, on Katie Ledecky's performance, but two others that we we spoke about a lot that week were um, Yulia Efimova and, and Sun Yang, who both had. Really, really great championships. Um, I think. I what think. A surprise. With, with the benefit of hindsight, <laughs> we may have a different view on them, Bob. Well, yeah. I, I just look back at the results. I mean, Sun Yang won the four hundred by over three seconds, uh, three forty-one compared to Hagino's three forty-four. Eight hundred was was closer. Though, what, what strikes me about that championships is names I've forgotten all about. Michael McBroom. Do you remember Michael McBroom? He finished behind Sun Yang. Yeah, in the in the eight hundred. You know, whatever happened to Michael McBroom after that? Um, and it was quite tight actually in the fifteen hundred. Ryan Cochran of Canada got very close to Sun Yang, and uh, a man who's still very much around and was setting a national record that year. Gregorio Paltrinieri was a bronze medalist in the fifteen hundred. Of course, he'll be doing the open water and the fifteen hundred in Fukuoka in a couple of weeks' time. Another one where you question how his shoulders have, have held up for 10 years doing yeah. doing that. But yeah, I've forgotten all about him coming onto the scene. So uh, good. And, and Sun, you know, whatever <clears throat> we may think of him now, he split a 143-1 on their 4 by 2 as well. So uh, he was um, quite remarkable that week for whatever reason. And I think I shall leave it there. I, I do remember watching him in his early success and thinking and I I can't remember where it was but it was somewhere where he'd done something absolutely incredible and he um was shaking hands with some of the officials um on poolside and I, I just remember being like what a great guy like he's so like respectful and and what, you know, what a great guy and <laughs> I'm not sure I'd have quite the same view these days was that not his last 100 the world's in 2011 where he came back in a ridiculous last 100 wasn't that wasn't that what we were it might have been did he break a if he broke a, I feel like he broke some insane record in on that swim and that was why kind of everyone was around I think that's that's when he broke the 15 world record Hackett's 15 world record yeah yeah mm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, let's move on. Let's bring ourselves back round to the British team. Now, we, we've said 
<clears throat> a number of times that we got fairly downhearted that week um, and we did speak about every single British performance that, that, that took place and that did leave us saying or I remember listening to it back I did say I'm sure they'll be disappointed with that um, a lot of times but um, the, Britain took a team of, of 30 I think it was to those championships now a little, little quiz for you two of those 30 are also going to Fukuoka in a couple of weeks time can you guess which two they are uh, I know it's not, so I'll just I'll work through who it could be. Um, ben Proud? Uh, ben Proud, that's one. Ben Proud's one, yeah. I was going with with James Wilby, but... No. No, he wasn't on the no. team at that stage. Would you Would you like me uh, to... Uh, female? You, pardon? Female? No, another another chap. A male, okay. Shall I, uh, shall uh, I put you out of your misery? Not Dan Jervis, he wasn't no. around then. No, <laughs> I want to um, get it. Okay, working work. Duncan, no. No, you would have been about twelve. James Guy. Yes, yes, of course it would be. So yeah. here we James, are. Here, here yes. we are. Day one of uh, 2013. Have a listen. The positive story, obviously, is the form of James Guy. Uh, the other teenager from Britain who was on action today, Ben Proud. He swam the 50 fly. So there we go. They they were there. We've covered their entire international senior international mm. swimming careers on this podcast because they made their debuts in Barcelona. And and in fairness. James in particular was one of the highlights that week. Um, he made the final of the 400. He was fifth in the 400. And then, yeah. and then he swam some great swims in the 4 by 2 as obviously we know him for. Um, and I know we got... Bob, you got a little bit of stick because you were uh, the, the founder member of the James Guy fan club, self-appointed by the end of the week. Well, yeah, kind of. And of course, uh, since then, uh, he, he and uh, his... Uh, me, me and his dad had had some disagreements about how he's been used at Olympics um, in terms of the, the relays and the individuals and stuff like that. But no, I, I think what I liked about him was the kind of his jib, as we've seen all the way through his, his 10 years at international level, is that he, he always goes for broke. He's always in there. He, you know he's never going to be a, a 90% or a 95% swimmer. He's going to be a 100% swimmer every time, like Duncan Scott. You know, they're, they're cut from the same kind of cloth. Uh, and I think, you know, I just saw the emergence of somebody who turned out to be a very, very good swimmer. And ultimately, as I think, unfortunately, from my point of view, his legacy is going to be what a great relay swimmer and not got the individual medals I think he should have got over the years. You did pick a good horse to back, even if we might have taken the mip. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'll see a swimmer come through who then doesn't translate their performances. I think I was quite early on Michael Jameson, to be honest, obviously before the podcast days. But uh, when I saw Michael come through, because we, we had so many breaststrokers to choose from, and I think I went with him because I was so impressed by how good his stroke was. You know, aesthetically, the best breaststroke I, I think I'd ever seen at that stage. No, and I think, I think yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling a leg because he was one of the high points if not the high point after Fran for uh, for Britain that week and he's been incredible ever since hasn't he you know if you look at his career he's been an unbelievable servant for, for British swimming so uh, yeah I think I think you were on the money there Bob however much we might interesting might how, he, how, he's, how he's changed his events though over the years because I mean you think about it we think of him more as a butterfly swimmer now, don't we? I think he's still doing the 400 free then wasn't he yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. 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 So it's a bit of a bit of an evolution from 400 free to, as you say, 100 fly. We would we would see him as now. And yeah, and obviously the 200 for the relay. Um, all right. So there. So there's those two that uh, that we followed their in, entire career. Now, if if we're moving slightly on from Barcelona, if you had to pick one British swimmer who uh, who defines the last 10 years, who would you both say? 
Petey. Do you know, it's the man who nearly, very nearly, swam the 200 breaststroke in Barcelona and missed out by a fingernail. He didn't qualify for the 200 by a smidgen. And I often wonder whether his career would have been different if he'd gone to Barcelona doing the 200. You're exactly right, Adam Petey. Now, take a listen to this, Bob, from midway through that week. No, there was one swim today that particularly caught the eye from, uh, from Adam Petey. Yeah, City of Derby, trained by Mel Marshall. Um, Adam really should be on that Barcelona team had he not got his finish so badly wrong and let Michael Jameson in. But he did do a 59.92 in Sheffield in the final of the 17, 18-year-olds, 100 breaststroke. Um, So a new uh, personal best for Adam. So there we go. His first appearance on the podcast in the first week, we were keeping our eye on the, the, the national age groups or national... ASA Nationals going on at the same time as Worlds and uh, he popped that 59.92 and the rest, as they say, is history. And at that point, very few British swimmers had been under 60 seconds too. That's what probably what made that so eye-opening. Yes, indeed, indeed. And Casey, he's, he's well, he's done everything since he's done that. He's done all right, year. hasn't 20- he? Yeah. yeah, 2014 was the year he kind of broke out, but he's he's uh, he's been pretty successful. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably be relatively pleased if I'd had his success. <laughs> All right. Um, as I say, we're, we're, we've done this for 10 years. There are a few other, other things that have stood out from, from that 10 years. And there was one, one podcast in particular that I, that I wanted to highlight um, from uh, actually only a, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was uh, 2020, I think. And um, uh, I, was doing, I was doing the little series because I'd been doing Pool Boy for, for 20 years and I was speaking to various people about them, my top 20 moments from that 20 years. And, and one of them had been uh, Steve Parry's bronze in Athens in the 200 fly and, and James Goddard had listened to that episode and got in contact and said oh I'd like to come speak to you about my experiences in Athens and uh, I said brilliant because we'd had James as a guest before and he's he's really really great and uh, and he, he came on and I thought he was going to come on and we were going to have a nice chat about Athens and his experience where he he uh, he thought he'd won a medal he was bumped up to bronze when someone ahead of him was disqualified, it was Pearsall, wasn't it? it was Aaron Pearsall was disqualified yeah. and then yeah. and then reinstated and bumped back down and it didn't make the podium. And it was a really kind of interesting event that doesn't happen a lot. And it, he kind of, we started on that and he just kind of went off on a monologue for ages about about that and how it affected him and his his mental state afterwards. And it was just a complete shock that, that you know, that had happened, you know, out of nowhere. I don't know, Casey, what, what you remember about that conversation were you as as kind of taken aback as I was yeah I remember I do remember being really I mean it was pretty amazing that he felt comfortable enough to talk about you know how low he'd felt and and I think it was quite shocking to me because he was always such a like life and soul of the party guy um like such a, a nice guy to be on teams with and sort of very welcoming and happy and you know the sort of yeah one of one of the real kind of hearts of the team and to know that he'd sort of had all that hurt that he'd just been getting on with um yeah I, I thought it was pretty shocking and and I think I, I remember asking him if he felt like now he could look back and be proud and I I think he said I don't think he was there yet at that point which which I found really sad and I think part of that is sort of you know I anyone who 
has achieved anything like not even a patch on what he's achieved which is just huge amounts but like sort of any success at the international level I just think wow that's amazing um and I kind of expect that they think that as well um so it's it's sort of shocking and sad and but then really really interesting that it doesn't always work out like that and you know we know that it doesn't work out like that for a lot of people we're seeing a lot of it at the moment and um yeah i I thought it was really important, actually, that he spoke as he did. And it was a really great podcast from him. It's interesting if you look back at, you know, British swimmers last 20, 25 years. I think James Goddard is massively underrated. Yeah, Uh, I'd agree. What he did at the Commonwealth Games in 2002. Didn't expect that from James Goddard. And he he flew through right in front of his home crowd and everything else and all the adrenaline that flew with with that. But I actually think, look how long he held that record for and the 200 back. Um, You know, he, he, he he was an exceptional swimmer. It really was one one of our best. I, I maybe even put it in our top ten in the last twenty years. And not just a backstroker as well, like a really really good IMA. Um, yeah, yeah, incredible swimmer. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's what made it so so kind of eye opening. Was you know he'd been so brilliant, and yet still felt so down on his own achievements. So uh, and, and I can remember because I commentated on that race in Athens, and I can remember the finish of it i can remember the disqualification that he held that bronze for what 20 minutes maybe 25 minutes we're all getting really excited because obviously we, there was only uh david davis's uh bronze steve's bronze you know we we didn't exactly have a, a plethora of medals there and there we are going yeah james goddard's got a bronze medal and he, he had it is it's, it's the old tantalizing there it is and then we'll just snatch it away from you and the, uh, we, we knew all the shenanigans that were going on on the pool deck as well and the fact that the americans being the americans were able to kind of bully the, the judges downstairs to to get that decision overturned so you know had it been any other nation probably james would have got that third place but the americans being as powerful as they were at that point were able to to kind of muscle their way back onto the podium and poor old james who had that medal for less than half an hour uh didn't have it anymore yes uh, yeah not a great episode for him obviously and as he as he shared you know had its had its effect on him um but i'll put a link to that episode in the notes to this podcast and if you want to go and check it out highly recommended because uh, it is uh a tough listen, but a really good listen. So, uh, yeah, do go listen. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably draw this this conversation to a close. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we've had a bad start in, in Barcelona. We did pick a bad one to start with, but we've had an awful lot of success, British swimming, um, over the last 10 years for us to talk about. So it's been it's been more up than down, I would, I would suggest, over those 10 years. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been great fun sharing that with you. We've had, you know, the opportunity to do some amazing things like uh, like the london raw podcast that we did um we've had some great guests you know it's been it's been good it's been good fun bob uh you no know, 10 years of of podcasting i doubt you thought we'd be doing it for 10 years when we started no i i didn't and the, the thing is when we started doing podcasts podcasts weren't a big thing were they they're, they're not as uh as widespread and as much coveted as they are these days so it was kind of you, you were a bit ahead of the curve on that to be fair steve you, you other people have followed in your wake and there are plenty of others out there now trying to muscle in your territory but uh you were kind of uh ahead of the game in terms of that and no i i think i think i'd say there's been more certainly more positives in the last 10 years didn't look that way in 2013 
2013. Rio was good. Tokyo was good. I'm, I'm expecting Paris to be good too. Katie, 10 years of uh, podcasting. You know, you, uh, you you don't like listening to yourself back, but um, no, who does? But uh, I doubt you thought you'd be doing it for 10 years either. No, uh, I'd like to be honest, until you said I hadn't even really realised it had been 10 years. But um, I think it's, it, yeah, it's been really, like, I've, I've liked it personally because uh, I was just coming out of swimming and was in a sort of like, oh, like, this is a reason I can still watch my friends. And I think I actually enjoyed the sport so much more um, and being that much more removed from it. Um, but kind of seeing people's careers, you know, people I don't know, but like seeing their careers and, and you know, how they go from being a breakout star to being like a proper, whoa, this person's amazing. Um, it's it's really fun. And uh, I am a nerd and I'm quite happy to have fellow nerds to chat to about it. So thank you very much. And uh, sorry for saying the first time I actually met you, that you're nowhere near as old or bald as I thought you would be. <laughs> that is that is very so, true. Is that me or him? No. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd assigned a face to Steve for some reason, and it was somebody else's face. I just thought somebody else was Steve. So the first time I met him, that was just what came out of my mouth. Yes, and yet I still felt able to invite her to be part of this podcast. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, I think that's enough for... Uh, enough introspection for for one episode but while we are in a you know a retrospective mood um the, the world championships in a few weeks they will be in, in fukuoka in japan they're they're returning there it should have been 20 years after that but but covid put paid to the the exact anniversary but uh those championships were in japan they were in fukuoka in 2001 so i thought we'd take a few minutes just to, to look back at that meet because it had had all sorts of uh, drama and things going on uh britain did pretty the, well was this the Jumping in the pool drama. That's yes, the one. Oh, yes. yes, 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 yes. So Sorry, what, so I've just spoiled your. That's <laughs> quite all right. What, Kate, what, what Katie is alluding to is the drama around the uh, the women's four by two hundred meters freestyle relay, where uh, Britain won the gold after the two teams who finished ahead of them were disqualified. US for a flyer and uh, Australia for uh, jumping in before the other teams have finished. Now, I I made a little film about this with Karen Pickering, one of the. Um, one of the protagonists of that relay uh, a few years ago, which are, again, I'll link to in the notes. But um, if you want to get the, the in-depth story about what happened, that's the place to start. Um, but yes, that was that was the gold that Britain won in controversial circumstances. Bob, I, I, you mm, were there. You, yeah, but you, you, I've, t- I've not told you the story of that. Who broke the story about us getting the gold? Go on then. Me. Yes, it was Bob. me. Because the the reason why that uh, it wasn't any great investigative reporting on my part, one of the FINA officials, as it was in those days, FINA, um, wandered past the commentary box. I happened to know him, and he went. He said, "Congratulations." I said, "On what?" He said, "You got the gold," and walked off. And I went, "Well, I know I could rely on him," so I told London, and literally it was confirmed about half an hour later. So I think we broke it on Five Live about half an hour to an hour before it was actually officially announced. Well, there we go. The scoop from Bob there. But yes, that was uh, that was quite a dramatic um, uh, dramatic set of circumstances. But it was the, the gold that Britain won. Britain won uh, seven medals at that championship. Um, obviously, that, that gold was the only gold. But uh, the women also won silver. They tied for silver with the US in the, in the 4x100 free relay, which mm. I always look back and think, you know, did it really happen? But um, it's there and no controversy yeah, on that one. Yeah, it was a great race. No. Um, uh, Graham, Graham Smith won a medal in the 800, 
I yeah, think. he got so he got bronze in the eight hundred and then silver yeah. in the fifteen hundred. It was the first time he'd broken fifteen minutes. I think the British record under fifteen minutes for the first time. He came second to uh, to an unbelievable world record from Grant Hackett. And uh, another very quick anecdote on that is that because uh, although I was doing the radio commentary and radio reporting, there was no TV reporter out there in Fukuoka. This shows you how things have changed over 20 odd years. We had a 10 minute window to do the interviews for London. So I had to make sure everybody was in place at that time. We, We had no overruns, literally we had 10 minutes. And Graham won the first of those medals and he was in drug testing. So I, had to, I went down the drug testing uh, corridor and dragged him out of drug testing. I wasn't the most popular man. I'm sure, I'm sure you weren't. But I'm, I'm equally, he was probably glad to get out of there while he was waiting. Yeah. I'm just looking down the results. Like so many, uh, so many world records for the men, men only, like no, none for the women. But I mean, it's just the, it's just the age of Ian Thorpe, isn't it? And Grant Hackett. And wow, it's insane. That was that was Ian Thorpe's championship, six gold medals. Uh, he won in, in Fukuoka. That's where, I mean, we knew he was a star from the Sydney Olympics, but, but 2001 was when he kind of stamped his mark all over the sport you know, properly. Um, and a very young Michael Phelps. Yes, indeed. He won his first gold medal. He won the 200 fly uh, world, champ, world title then. Um, Is that his first the, world record? Yeah, it would have been. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but the thing I remember most about Thorpe, I mean, he won the two, the four, the eight, and then three relay gold medals. But the the one of those that always sticks in my memory is the 800 free when it was him and Grant Hackett. So Hackett, obviously more the, the 1500 swimmer, thought more the 200 swimmer, and they were kind of meeting, not quite in the middle, but, but you know, in middle ground. And, um, and Hackett just went hell for leather from the start, just trying to get rid of Ian Thorpe, and he couldn't do it. And, um, and, the, and they, they turned a metre or two, he had a metre or two's lead at 700 metres and Thorpe just came back in some ludicrous split and won by about you know, 10 metres or something. And it was it was just amazing. And then it took, I don't know when it was, I think it must have been, I'm going to say possibly 2007, maybe, I don't know. But when Hackett finally got that record back, he had to be about six seconds under the split at 700 metres to uh, to be able to, to hang on enough because Thorpe just had such a, a fit finishing burst and that, that one really sticks in the memory from me for, for 2001 apart from obviously the uh, <laughs> the relay controversy but uh, just um, the other the other medals uh, Joe Fargus bronze in the 200 back Zoe Baker Was she still British then? And she was British she was British for another couple of years before she yeah. went off to New Zealand in, in 2000 and she was Australia wasn't she by, no. so, uh, you're thinking about Zoe about oh sorry Joe yeah no Joe yes Joe went off to Australia yeah that's right but um, Zoe went off to New Zealand didn't she in 2005 yeah um, and then Mark Foster he was probably only about I don't know 30 or something <laughs> maybe a bit older <laughs> the early years of his career exactly yeah took bronze in the, in the 55 I, I think so. he was was he not in lane 8 or something for that final either lane 1 or lane 8 because I, I think he was he was at the extremities of the pool he wasn't in the center of the pool i think he was in one of the outside lanes yeah, quite possibly so uh yeah so seven medals so actually quite quite successful for britain i mean i think that was not quite the best but some um, second best championships they'd ever had um and then obviously two years later in 2003 it was the most successful they'd ever had when they got some um, eight medals but some um, good after a disappointing olympics i think like it's a good it's a good comeback point. after sydney yeah. isn't it no medals at the olympics <laughs> yes the worst ever olympics yeah. 
But I mean, I think well, I think we kind of forget about that championship. Seven medals is is not, you know, it's, it was a big aberration if you like at the time. Yeah. Mm. You know, in terms of Britain's historic norm, and indeed until until recent years, you know, first still with be Bill Sweetnam as well too. But as well with Bill Sweetnam that was. Yeah, so that was Bill Sweetnam's first championships, but um, yeah, it was uh, you know remarkably good as uh, as Britain goes. Well, let's hope that this next visit to Fukuoka is I don't know if we'll be on seven medals I'm sure we'll talk about that near the time but it would be nice if we could it would, it would be nice wouldn't it have it would another nice. success story all right well I think that's uh, that's time to uh, to draw things to a close as Katie's alluded to the uh, the Fukuoka World Championships are coming up in a few weeks and the, the next time you'll hear from us we'll be previewing that uh, that competition looking forward to hopefully seven British medals or maybe Maybe a few different, but uh, seven would be nice, wouldn't it? But um, we'll we'll run the rule over all of that stuff um, in our next episode. Uh, until we're back then, it only remains for me to say thank you for 10 years of, uh, of nattering about swimming. It's been great fun. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Katie. Thank Steve. you for asking us. I still don't uh, really know how that happened, but still. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It worked out for the best. It worked out for the best. So uh, we'll be back, as I say, on the next episode to preview the World Championships. In the meantime, uh, I'll put the links in the uh, the notes to this episode for those couple of things we've talked about on this edition. Uh, if you want to get in contact, you can find me as ever on Twitter at PoolBoy or on Instagram at PoolBoyUK, or you can go to PoolBoy.co.uk forward slash contact. And uh, if you've enjoyed what we've done over these last 10 years, do leave us a review on uh, Spotify or Apple. We'd really appreciate it. But until we're back with you, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.